Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Turn with me to John chapter, chapter 20. And we're going to begin reading in verse 19, and then we're going to jump over to Colossians chapter 4. To Colossians chapter 4. John 20 is dealing with the resurrection of Christ, and the Lord appears again to his disciples. And it says in verse 19 that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. You can never accomplish what God has in store for you living in fear behind closed doors. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. And notice the first words he said, peace be with you. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe this was prophetic in nature. Jesus was preparing them for the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God would fill the disciples and the church would be birthed in power. The only way that you and I can accomplish the purpose and the plan of God is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Many years later, Paul is writing to the church of Colossae. In chapter 4, verse 2, he challenges them, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about this mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, make the most of every opportunity. You got to live wisely. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Today, we're going to speak on the subject, living a life on mission. Specifically, we're going to discover how we live a life on mission. As the disciples came to the full 
realization of the resurrection of Jesus, they are giving a life mission. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. My prayer and my hope today is that we would be a church empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we would live on mission. Look in your notes. The first thing we'll talk about today is what does it mean to live on mission? Jesus lived his life through the lens of the Father's will. His whole life was governed by the eternal plan of the Father. And to live on mission means to live a life through the lens of the Father's will. It's God's will that none should perish but all come to repentance. And to live on mission is to live with a purpose and a passion for the things of God as revealed through the life of Jesus Christ. I want you to write this under A. To live on mission is to be in step with God's program. To be in step with what God is doing. To be in sync, if you would, with the story of the Lord. The Apostle Paul writes to the young pastor named Timothy in his first letter, chapter 2, verse 3. He says, this is good and it pleases God, our Savior. And verse 4 says who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Paul reveals the heart of the Father. He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. To get in step with God's purpose and God's plan is to, is to be in sync with he wants none to perish, but he wants everyone to be saved. The Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel 18, verse 23, records the words of God. Do you think that I like to see wicked people die? Question mark, says the sovereign Lord. Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. God does not take pleasure in the death of unbelievers. God wants them to turn to him to repent and to live. Peter, at the closing of his life, said this, the Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake, for he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. That's the heart of God. The heart of the Father is that he wants people to repent, to come into a saving knowledge of Christ. So we got to walk in the footprints, the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus said, I've come to do the will of the Father. As he sent me, I'm sending you. Now, I think there's a passage that really reveals the heart of Christ. He refers to himself as the good shepherd. And in Luke chapter or Matthew chapter 18, verse 12, Jesus tells a story of a man who has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away. And he asks the question, what will he do? Will he not leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? 
And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than the 99 that did not wander away. In the same way, it is, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. So we see the heart of the Father through the life of Jesus. And it's the shepherd in search of that one lamb. It's the shepherd in, in search for that one sheep. And that is the heart of the Father. And that's the mission of the church. I want to challenge us to live on mission with God. Put this down under C. This means you got to move from consuming to serving. You got to get on the other side of the table. Now, let's talk about consuming for a little bit. It's, it's, it's natural when we first get saved. It's natural when we first start coming to church. We receive, we receive, we receive. But there comes a point when we got to take what we received and we got to use it for the kingdom. Use it for the glory of God. It's kind of like a diner. You got one side where there are servers and they're serving everybody who's sitting at the counter. But there comes a point in our spiritual walk that we got to move from the consuming side to the serving side. To live in mission is to realize that God has a work for you to do. God has planted you in this community. God has planted you in Central Florida. God has planted you in this church. And he is willing that none should perish but all come to repentance. And God wants to use you in his great story. Living on mission means moving from being a consumer to serving. What's going to help you live on mission? Develop a biblical worldview. That brings us to our second point. Develop a biblical worldview. You have a worldview. All of us have a worldview. A worldview is the framework from which we view reality and make sense of life and the world. Let me take a moment and define a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview is based on the infallible word of God. When you believe the Bible is entirely true, then you follow it and you allow it to be the foundation of everything you say and you do. A biblical worldview is a worldview based on God's unchanging word. And since God is the creator of everything in heaven and earth, he's the standard for truth. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and unchanging. So you need to have a biblical worldview. It's going to help guide you in the decisions you make. It's going to help you face the uncertainties of everyday life. When you have a biblical worldview, write this under B. Write the word lens, kind of like the glasses, the lens. See, a biblical worldview is not just a theoretical idea. A biblical worldview changes the way we respond to major events in the world. It becomes the lens that we view everything through. Let me ask some rhetorical questions. How do you respond when natural disaster happens? 
How do you respond to, to traffic? Your biblical worldview matters. Literally, I mean, have you driven on Highway 50 between Claremont and, and Okoe lately? I mean, I was coming back, I mean, from Lakeland the other day. It should have took me 45 minutes to get from there to here. And I sat on I-4 for two and a half hours. Thank God for a biblical worldview. How do you respond? How do you respond when your fast food order is wrong? Let's get real. How do you respond when a terrorist attack happens? What's your response to political turmoil? See, someone with a biblical worldview is going to respond to these events through the lens of Scripture. And it's important that we live our life through the lens of Scripture. God has a plan, and he's going to work it out. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has not forsaken you. He has not left you, but he sits on the throne and he is still in charge. Can you say amen? See, while others may have their worldview shaken after a disaster, a Christian responds with trust in God's wisdom, confidence in Christ's future return, and zeal for spreading the gospel. Because you see life as opportunities for God to use you to help turn people to him and away from brokenness. If you're going to live with a biblical worldview, if you're going to live on mission, then you have to see yourself in God's design. You have to see yourself a part of what God is doing. You're a part of God's story. You are a part of God's design. We believe in the omniscience of God. We believe in the all-knowing ability of God. We believe that he looked into the future moment of time and he saw you. And he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And begin to see yourself as a part of God's design. Go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. Our staff on Wednesday night, pastoral staff, is doing an incredible job preaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. And in chapter 5, verse 19, listen to what Paul writes. He says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. There you go. See yourself in God's design. He gave you a message, and I love how the New Living Translation puts it, the wonderful message of reconciliation, because it is. It's a wonderful message. Be ye reconciled to God. So, Paul says, we, you, are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Now notice verse 1 of the next chapter. And I remind you, verses and chapters were 
added later. This is a letter. So it does good sometimes just to read it in one setting and to understand there's a, f- a fluid conversation taking place here. As God's partners, Paul said, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift as God, God's kindness and then ignore it. As God's partners, see yourself a part of God's design. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you on the day of salvation. I helped you. Indeed, Paul says, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. So as you take this passage here, you realize, hey, you've been saved. And now you are an ambassador and representative of God the Father. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. God's making his appeal through us. Remember, God is willing that none should perish. He wants people to come to repentance. So God is using you. He's making his appeal through you. We speak for Christ. When we say, come back to God. I want you to notice the analogy that Paul uses. You are God's partners. That Greek word is synergio, which means to work together. We get our English word synergy from. When a team is working together, there's synergy, there's energy with that team. They, they have momentum, they're, they're accomplishing things. And the sense of the word in this context is to collaborate, to work together on a common enterprise or project. What are you partnering with God on? The salvation of the lost, that whosoever may will come here. And he says the right time is now. And that, that, that phrase right time is that Greek, that, that word kairos. Remember we talked about that appointed time. There's that kairos moment, that season. And Paul says now's the season, the season of salvation. Now's the season for people to be saved, for people to come into a saving knowledge of Christ. Now is the day of salvation. The time is now. So see yourself a part of God's design. Your ambassadors, your representatives, live on mission. Paul says you're a partner. Don't, don't neglect it. You're in partnership. You got to carry up and hold up your end of the bargain, your responsibility. The time is now. It's that same word that we talked about last week in Luke chapter 4, verse 19. And I love how the message translates it. It paraphrases it. He says, I've come to announce this is God's year to act. (laughs) We got the wonderful message. And we're saying, this is God's year to act. This is God's year to move in your life. This is the year for you to be reconciled. This is the time of the Lord's favor. It is now. It is this season. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And church, we need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish what God 
has called us to do. We're called to live on mission, which I want to really get practical. I really want to lay out some things that's going to help you to live on mission every day. Which brings us to our third point. If we're going to live on mission, then we have to be intentional. Write that word intentional. You got to be intentional with your time, with your calendar, and with your day. Quit looking at your day just as something to get through. If I can only get home, if I can only clock out. See your day as an opportunity. Too many of us are just surviving. Too many of us are just making it. Too many of us are just in the rat race of getting up just in time to get a shower, brush your teeth, go to work, and then can't wait. You're sitting there to 5 (laughs) o'clock. I shouldn't say this, but it's 5 o'clock somewhere. (laughs) Terrible, terrible, (laughs) terrible. Somebody's getting off work. They just, I can't wait to get home. Some of you religious folk, let me tell you, just relax a little bit. It's all right. It's all right. Live on mission. Don't just make it through the day. Be intentional with your 24 hours in the day. Don't see your job as I have to. To just do this. Let me just grin and bear it till I get to the other side. Begin to see it as your mission field. Begin to see it as an opportunity. And suddenly you're going to begin to realize, hey, there's a new pep in my step. There's a pep in my walk. There's some things. I've got excitement. I'm looking because, because I'm being intentional with my life. Now, Paul Paul did some other things. We read in Colossians where he invited them to pray for him. If you go to Ephesians chapter 6, this is the chapter where Paul says, hey, be strong in the Lord. And he talks about this spiritual fight, this spiritual struggle that we are in. And he says, you've got to put on the whole armor of God because you're not fighting a, a, a fleshly war. You're fighting a spiritual war. And you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power and wickedness in high places. Realize the spiritual battle that we all are in. And then in verse 19, he says, pray for me. Ask God to give me the right words to say so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is not just for the Jews, but Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so I pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Incorporate other other people, incorporate other peoples to pray for you. Ask people to pray with you. Say, hey, pray, pray that I'll see the opportunities and I'll have the boldness to step into those opportunities. Invite your brothers and sisters of faith to pray with you. See yourself as God's ambassador. See yourself as living on mission. And then Paul says, hey, pray that I will keep speaking boldly for him. Now, Paul says he's in prison. And Paul says, hey, now's not the time for me to be quiet. Now's the time for me to speak even louder. 
There will be those around you that would say, now's not the time to rattle. Now's not the time to make any noise. But hear me, now's the time to proclaim Jesus saves. Now is the time for the church of Jesus Christ to arise. Now's the time to live on mission. Now is the time to live with boldness and courage. Can you say amen? amen. Living on mission requires intentionality. It requires a willing heart. It requires dependency on the Holy Spirit. That is why after Jesus showed his disciples his hands and scar on his side, that is why he said, as the Father sent me, so now I'm sending you. And he breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. Because church, if we're going to live on mission, we need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the courage that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So I want you to notice there are 10 things that's going to help you live on mission on a day-to-day basis. Real quickly, we're going to go through them. Pray. Ask God to help you live missional. Ask the Lord for opportunities. Ask the Lord to help you see these as divine opportunities. Quit looking at your job as a burden to bear and begin to see it as an opportunity. The people God's placed you with, your neighbors, quit seeing them as, as something that is irritating you and begin to see them as an opportunity to share the love of Christ with. Let me ask you a great question. Who, who can you be praying for today? Ask God to lay on your heart someone that you can pray for. Love. Genuinely love and care about the people you want to reach. Be curious about their lives. Learn about people's passions. Allow space for them to teach you their area of expertise. Listen to them. To really really love someone, they got to know that you care about them. So i got a great question to ask ourselves in this arena. Do I love this community and the people in it? And do I see them as God sees them? I want you to ask God to give you a love for this community, give you a love for your neighborhood, give you a love for your co-workers, give you a love for the people you're doing life with. Ask the Lord to help you see them as God sees them. And the third thing you need to do on a day-to-day basis, give space in your schedule. Create margin. Give room. I get it. Most of us are busy. We're too busy. Our schedules start at 6 o'clock in the morning, and they go to 9 o'clock at night. I don't know if God intended for you to live in such a rat race as this. Create space in your calendar. Create space in your schedule that you give opportunity for the spontaneous to happen. Schedule time for conversations to happen. Schedule time for God to, to use ordinary conversations that you can that God can help you take it to the next level. Because hear me, God does not take pleasure. In the wicked dying, God wants them to turn to him 
and live. I promise you the Holy Spirit is already working in areas that you don't see and you can't even identify at this moment. And God is drawing that coworker. And if you're living on mission, then you might be the bridge that brings them to Christ. You might be the one that gets to, to be able to introduce them to Christ. Identify your marketplace. Identify the wells where people are meeting. It could be the soccer field, could be the football field, could be the baseball field, it could be the coffee shop, it could be, it could be a, a place you go to dinner uh, at night on a regular basis. Identify the marketplace where people do life. Ask yourself a great question. Where are people already gathering in your community and how can you get involved? How can you get involved where people are? Do what you're passionate about. Sometimes we think that we got to uh, recreate the wheel. Hey, God's given you different passions. Maybe you like to fish. Hey, invite, invite somebody that's not in relationship with God to go fishing with you. Maybe you like to play sports. I mean, get on a team that's not all Christian. Get on a team that sometimes they cuss a little bit. Sometimes they, they get upset at the umpire, the referees a little bit. Get on that team and be a light shining in the darkness. See, we're real good at hanging out with each other, but are we good at hanging out with the lost? Are we good at hanging out with the broken? We're good at hanging out with people that look like us and sound like us and, and act like us, but we also got to be intentional about hanging out with those that may not act the way we act, but they're going to see the light that is in you. Do what you're passionate about and then ask others to join you. Write this, take an interest in others. Ask good questions. Let me tell you why it's important to ask good questions. Because when you're asking good questions, that becomes the fodder the Holy Spirit will use to, to show you what the true need of the individual is. See, when you take time to really learn what they're going through, what they like, and the interests that they like, before long, the conversation is going to turn, and the Holy Spirit's going to drop a, a, a word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit's going to drop a, a, a word of prophecy in you, and suddenly, you're going to see past the, the outward, you're going to see into the need. See, whenever you take an interest in others, you're taking, you're asking good questions, you're gathering information, and when you're praying and asking, the, the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal some things in your life. Listen attentively. This is hard for us, probably more so for us guys than others. Listen attentively. You know, with the digital age that we're living in, we're having conversation, and what are we doing? As people's talking to us, we're, we're like this. You know, I, I've, we also have conversation through text that is very impersonal. Take time that you lay things aside, and you literally listen to what the other person is saying. This is how you live on mission. Write this under eight. Tell your story. You have a story, and I want you to know it's a good story. It's a story of transformation. It's a story of how the Lord has worked in your life. It's a story of how the Lord's restored your brokenness. It's a story of how Jesus has changed you. Tell your story. 
You say, well, I don't know all the scriptures. I don't know all the theological doctrines. It's okay. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. Tell them how he's changed your life. Some of you, and somebody needs to hear this, you need to write your story out. Write your story and begin to read your story over and over. Memorize your own story so you can be ready to say what God has done in your life. Then you'll see there's an opportunity to introduce them to the gospel of Christ. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And don't forget to invite them into community. People are looking for community. People are looking to be involved. People are looking to be connected. People are looking to get out of the isolation and want to know, does people care about me? Where can I, where's a place that I can go and grow? Where's a place I can go and learn more about this God who gave his son, Jesus? Invite them to your C group. Invite them to your church. Invite them to live in community with you. Jesus spoke. He showed them his wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. They came to a great understanding. He's alive. We've touched him. We've handled him. We saw his scars. Then again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Church, if you're going to live on mission, then we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the empowerment that comes from on high. We need the Spirit of God to fill us. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I have done as best as I can to be so practical because, God, the harvest is plenteous. The harvest is ready. There are people that we rub shoulders with every day. There are people that we come in contact with every day that, that are waiting for someone to tell them the meaning, the purpose of life, that God loves them. And, Lord, I pray. I pray, God, that we will be a church that lives on mission. I pray that we'll be individuals that will see ourselves in the plan, the design of God. That our job is not just something that's just going to get us by. Our job becomes the opportunity for us to be the light shining Lord, there are areas that you want to use us in. And I pray, God, that we'll make the most of every opportunity. Now is that Kairos moment. Now is that season. Father, fill us. Baptize us. Anoint us with the Holy Spirit. Anoint us with the power to serve. Help us to move to the other side of the table. Help us to move from the consumer side 
to the serving side. Lord, I pray if there are those under the sound of my voice that have not surrendered to you, I pray that they'll know today's the day, now's the time. Their Kairos moment is here. Today's the day of salvation. Surrender. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, here I am. Take my life. Take all of me. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've drifted away, but today I want to come home. Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. Ask the Lord to touch you. Ask the Lord to minister. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask the Lord to reconcile you. If you're here today, you'll say, Pastor, I want to be filled with the Spirit of God so that God can work and use me. I wonder if you, with me, will you stand where you are right now? And will you lift your hands toward heaven and say, fill me, fill me. Jesus, breathe upon them. Lord, breathe upon us right now. Breathe upon us right now. Right there where you are, just lift your hands toward heaven. Say, Lord, breathe upon me. Breathe upon me. Breathe upon my heart. Breathe upon my life. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your anointing. I want to live on mission. I want to live on mission, God. I want you to use me. We are Christ's ambassador. We're God's, God's partners. Use me, God. Fill me. Anoint me. Empower me, God. Jesus, this moment, breathe upon us, oh God. Breathe upon us, oh Lord. We need you, God. Your spirit, your power, your anointing. Fill your church. 